Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez. We've got an exciting show today. We have champions in the house. We have WFA champions Dallas Elite in the house. And we also have the uh, two, Division II runner-up, uh, the Tampa Bay Inferno, in about an hour or so. So we'll be talking to uh, Lynn and Mike uh, Ellington of the Dallas Elite as they get ready for their 2018 season. We're going to be talking about off-season uh, notes and stuff, and also their schedule and how they're going to look there in 2018 uh, against the top teams in the WFA. And we'll talk in, an, in about an hour, we'll talk to Jen, uh, Jen Moody, uh, and we're going to talk to head coach Johnny Green and the veteran quarterback uh, Kim Shaw. Um, we're going to talk Tampa Bay Inferno, what they look to uh, to accomplish this year, St. Louis Slam no longer in the picture. They've been the uh, their uh, rivals the last two seasons, and they've been able to get ousted even in the championship. So this is their year to really punch it in. So we're going to talk to them about what's going to happen in Tampa Bay for 2018 in terms of the Division Two um, scope of things. So um, we got NFL free agency to talk about. Richard Sherman in San Francisco we got a Plenty of moves. Case Keenum to the Denver Broncos. Allen Robinson, the Chicago Bears. Um, just a lot of people moving everywhere. Graham to uh, Green Bay. Michael Crabtree uh, has landed in uh, Baltimore land. So uh, we're going to uh, chime in with that with Holly Custis. Holly will be with us in about an hour or so as we talk Tampa Bay Inferno. And then uh, Louise Bean will be here in a couple minutes here. And we're going to just chat away in terms of the NFL free agency, just announced as we came on the air um, a new pro league, not the XFL, but a new pro league, the Alliance of American Football that will be launched in 2019 uh, after the February. So it's kind of a spring league. It's going to be another spring league, maybe competitive in that sense, but uh, from what I'm reading, it's going to be more of a um, you know, developmental league. And so that, in a way, is good. Um, we'll see how that turns out uh, and how it separates itself, itself from the XFL. So we'll, we'll talk to uh, figure that out right now. Let's, let's bring in the, uh, the uh, IWFL championship quarterback, Louise Bean, in the house. And then we are going to be uh, talking right now. Uh, Louise, this new league, Looks like more. It's more like developmental league. So I guess it's a good thing in a way because uh, its point is only so many players make it to the NFL that there's no other outlet beyond college. Are you there, Luis? So I think uh, Luis is not on yet. So we'll. We'll dive in with her as soon as she gets back in. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the XFL in, two, in 2020 and the um, AAF, as it's being called, the Alliance of American Football, 
kind of branches into things in that sense. Um, so we'll see how that kind of transpires at this point. So let's bring in um, Luis Bean here. Luis, are you on? Hey, how you doing? Great. So, uh, Luis, I'm just talking about this new thing that before we came on the air like four hours ago, the Alliance yeah. of American Football. So I think this is kind of like a, the uh, the equivalent of the G League for the NBA in a way. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't think they're trying yep. to. So I, if, if, they, if it works, that's pretty good for um, all these Division Two and Division Three athletes that can pretty much never make it to the NFL. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if they advertise it and if they have the sponsorship for it and it works in conjunction, I think great. Because, you know, there's a lot of arena teams and leagues out there and places for people that want to have one more shot at pro or there's the semi-pro leagues and things like that. So I definitely think it could be a great thing. Um, I mean, I know the NFL wasn't happy about McMahon coming out and wanting to do the XFL, but if they work together, I think, hey, no problem. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know about the XFL with its previous um, track record. I think everybody's mm-hmm. going to be doubting what this, what the, what the brand's going to look like in 2020. So there's issues mm-hmm. there already uh, because it's, oh, yeah. you're, it's coming from an entertainment type of environment. So I think that's where you kind of have to doubt whether this is going to be like legit ball <laughs> with a mixture of you know WWE style of uh, promotions. Uh, where mm-hmm. this league here turns out to be similar to what um, the LFA uh, in Mexico is doing right now, the, the 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 pro league in Mexico that branched out this year. So given, I think, some opportunity to other athletes that probably could not be on there. So uh, I'm just – I'm thinking it's going to be um, – I think it's going to be pretty much uh, kind of like I like said, developmental league. Well, I also read that they are – doing things like not having kickoffs and you can, you know, choose to have the ball to 35 or different things kind of tied with that. And, uh, you know, just diversity a little bit. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. Let's bring in Holly into the conversation here. Uh, Holly, your boy Sherman lands in San Francisco, doesn't need an agent, negotiates his contract, and apparently the Seattle fans don't appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, he didn't stay in Seattle. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm good. Hey, Holly. So what do you say you? <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, it's uh, kind of – it's an interesting move. I think Sherman is not my favorite person, but he's definitely a really great uh, football player. And I do, you know, as I've discussed before with you guys, Seattle fans tend to be very reactionary and very emotional. And it kind of makes me laugh because they're burning his jersey. And I'm like, well, he didn't leave. <laughs> he got released. So he's not betraying anybody. You know, the uh, the Seahawks let him go. And it's a business that he, he needs to find his next job. And, um, you know, and he's also a competitor, and um, def- defensively, he's a good fit for the defense. So I, I think it's, I think it's actually a good move for him and for the 49ers, and I just find it really funny that the CF fans are, are so emotional about it. So, uh, Holly, my, my, my thing to you is you've mentioned it in the past. We had plenty of bandwagon people, and I guess this is burning the bus down. 
because he's arriving in San Francisco. <laughs> I can't wait till they get beaten badly by the Niners. <laughs> and he's on the <laughs> sidelines running his mouth. When are they going to burn then? He's burning the jersey now. What are they going to burn in his shoes? Or I'm just—it's so I, funny. I don't know. I don't know what else is left. I just—I think the Seahawks uh, fan base is kind of in disarray. You know, they're cleaning house this off season, and I think because he went to the Niners, it's like going to a rival. But again, it's not like. It's not like he was even traded or he wasn't, he, you know, you released him. And so at that point, he's a free agent and he can go wherever he wants to go. You gave up that right to him. So if anything, they should be mad at their front office if they really were that concerned about him. Um, yeah, at, at that point, I mean, I think it's actually, if you look at the dynamic of the contract, it's really – um, slanted towards the 49ers because it's it's a lot of performance based. It's a performance based contract. So in order for him to get um, paid, he has to perform. And if he performs, then he'll get uh, you know paid pretty uh, close to what he was in Seattle. But if he doesn't, then it's the benefit of the Niners as far as the the contract is concerned. So I mean, it is what it is, but it, it's kind of funny. So Holly, if well, you're on the podium like him, you. I mean, the way he made it sound was, I I cut the middleman off, no agent. I negotiated my uh, contract based on you know performance, like you said, and performance results. And I'm going to get five million guaranteed, which I would not gotten in Seattle. So, I don't know what these people are thinking, but this guy's got to eat. He's got a family, and he's re- he's got to retire at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's a business, and it's really funny to me how. Uh, fans can get really upset with players, but then they don't get upset when their teams cut players. And and those players have to go somewhere. They have to feed their families. And and so you can't, on one hand, you know, say to a fan who's upset that their player got cut, oh, it's just a business. And then on the other hand, if that player goes to find another team, you you can't have it both ways. It's, if it's just a business, then you can't take it personally. It, it's it's really kind of that simple. What do you say, Louise? Well, uh, he is Louise? recovering. I mean, that's a serious injury. So for sure that San Francisco is going to be putting in there some performance-based things because a lot of players don't come back the same. I mean, his Achilles was pretty shredded, and that's a year – it's a year, a good year to come back from that. So – um you know, he was beloved in a lot of ways, and and he doesn't have to move very far to go to San Francisco. So, um, well, he loves Stanford. I mean, he graduated from Stanford, so yeah. it's kind of like coming home yeah. for him in a way. Yeah, and he's no idiot. Yeah. He can, he's a smart dude. He can. I have no problems with people doing their own contracts. I think, hey, you don't have to pay to get middle my guy then. Hey, and that, if, that's if you why think I'm saying about that. it, if you think about it. Um, it's a smart way for him to do it anyway because, like being said, he's coming off an injury, so he doesn't have a lot of leverage at the moment because of his injury. And so by getting that guaranteed money up front, giving him more security, and then, okay, well, if I do perform, if I am able to cut back, then then I have, you know, something extra to play with. But I think it, it was a smart move for him, even though it was kind of off the wall. 
you know, Hollywood, I look, the way I look at it is Lynch is a smart guy. He's bringing in better, yeah. uh, veteran leadership that they lost. And you talked about that the last two seasons. You've got a brand-new quarterback with a good system, coming from a good system. So they pick up leadership on the other side. Even if he underperforms, that's not, the, that's not what he's getting him for. You know what I mean at this point? Because he knows that he's half right. the player, but he needs that leadership on defense. And so if he could just bring yeah. the leadership on defense, uh, that's just a bonus for the Niners. Yeah, no, definitely. And defensively right now, I think, like, the best defenses play with a little bit of edge to them. And I think in the right environment, I mean, he was never my favorite person. His attitude, frankly, is sucked a lot of the time. But in the right environment, um, in the right locker room, that can kind of be put in check. I think it wasn't put in check in Seattle because Pete Carroll is not hes not a disciplinarian guy. He kind of lets people be who they are, which initially seems to be great. And then he pretty much lives by the sword and dies by the sword, and it, it bit him in the ass later. And I think with uh, Sherman, that's not going to be the case in San Francisco. He's not going to be able to get away with that. And it might actually be to his benefit at the same time that it gives the defense a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I mean, the only the only hope I have is uh, that Sue comes to Los Angeles and then we muscle together that way. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want Sue in L.A. That, even Eric Dickerson wants Sue in L.A. So I got to go with my I got to go with my Hall of Famer right there. Just bring him to L.A. Um, yeah, I know, but I, I think it's a great move by them. I think it's a smart move. Lynch has done great things so far in the draft. Uh, I mean, in the free agency so far, and they they pick up uh, the quarterback Garoppolo uh, in the you know in the last uh, part of the season, and they've done great things. So uh, I think it's just smart move for them and smart move for him. So Seattle, keep burning whatever you got to burn, jerseys and whatever else. Just keep burning because you're gonna you're gonna be in a rebuild, and Arizona fans know how that feels. Right now. You know what's really funny, Oscar, is about a year ago, no, maybe just, I guess, over a year and a half ago, both our teams were in the basement, and now it's flipped. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like I, the Niners uh, The Niners have really, they have to turn things around. They have a, new, they have a stadium that they have to afford with. They got to put a good brand of product on there. The cap was there. The money was there. Lynch is a good, I think, Lynch GM wise on the West coast, it's probably one of the best GMs that you could have gotten in terms of San Francisco, because he's a former player, former champion. He understands, um, you know, defenses, how to build defense, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he know, he's offensive. It, it just works for them. And I think that's what's right. going to happen this season. It just works for them. You got the same thing that McVay got in Los Angeles, which is he's an offensive guy and he brings in the son of bomb. And so what what does he do? The son of bum is running the defense as a head coach, even though he's not the head coach. So it kind of works out great for those two teams, and I think that's where you're seeing it now. Definitely. I completely agree. You All know, right, it's guys. cold in Seattle. Oscar, it's cold in it Seattle. Is. They might just really be burning jerseys because it's cold. I mean, it really could change. I don't know. I don't know, about, I don't know about that, Louise, but I can tell you right now, it rains all the time, so uh, it's going to be raining a lot more for them this coming season if they get their butt spanked often, especially uh, two visits two visits by Sherman. And, uh, I mean, uh, the only saving grace in Seattle, Holly said already, 
uh, once they tear up the defense, even Holly said it, this is like a, eight months ago, once the defense goes, Seattle goes. Because Wilson isn't going to just shoulder them. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you lost uh, you lost uh, Jimmy Graham, and all all the key pieces except for uh, Wagner and uh, Wright and uh, Wilson are pretty much gone, and it's going to be a completely different team. And they need to they need to have a really good draft to salvage next year, um, or it might be a, you know a two to three year building program. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, let's just call it what it is now because we're very upfront. You know, the Seahawks are on the downswing and that's just reality. It's going to happen. Yeah. And so uh, the, the West coast is going to be owned by San Francisco and Los Angeles at this point. Definitely. That's the only two teams that really, and Arizona might surprise you, but they got, Maybe. they got changes. They got other pieces to put together as well. So, uh, but you know that's how that's good. that's what's looking towards unless they get something done in the draft that will surprise us at this point. Um, so guys, let's go into the huddle sponsored by Zazzle.com. You guys go to Zazzle.com, save up to fifteen percent daily on everything in the shop: leggings, t-shirts, gifts. Um, so go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties, and we are going to have in the house right now the uh, champion WFA 2017 Division One National Champions Dallas Elite. And that's going to be Lynn Ellington and Mike Ellington in the house. Uh, so Mike and Lynn, how are you guys doing today? Great, great, great. Good, good. Awesome. Uh, Mike, Lynn, you guys are on uh, with myself, Oscar Lopez, and you have the uh, uh, WFA All-Star Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics and former uh, IWSL Championship quarterback Luis Bean in the house. Yes. On the blitz. Hello. Thank um, you. So, uh, Lynn and Mike, uh, we have transition, as we do in the NFL sometimes, season to season, but this season, in the off season, and we always have changes in women's football, but somehow this season we have, as people would call it, a little bit of drama, but we do have transition. Um, so tell us a little bit about the transition in Dallas. Okay. I can go ahead and start with that. Um, so, um, basically, the the Dallas Elite were the 2017 Division One champions, as we all know. Uh, they did very well last year. And then in offseason, um, the two owners separated, and um, Odessa Jenkins resigned from the Dallas Elite in uh, December of 2017. Um, and then um, Maria uh, Spencer, who is a majority owner, uh, reached out to Mike and myself um, because we're familiar with women's football. We've been in women's football before um, and had successful teams. And so she reached out to us um, to come aboard, and we did so um, early February of 2018. So, Alin, at this point, uh, you, you know, obviously a broken, broken separation, no big deal there. It happens sometimes with women's sports all the time. But anyways, at this point, uh, what, is, what is attracting you to uh, – salvage the Dallas fleet of the WFA per se? Uh, well, I'll tell you that um, women's football has always been a passion of mine um, since the, the beginning when we, we first started in women's football. Um, and unfortunately for years and years, um, teams have been splitting off and separating um, and making new teams or going to, going to leagues that will allow them to make new teams. And, 
um, it continues to hurt women's football year after year. Um, so when this happened um, and Maria reached out to us, um, we had already been in talks with Lisa King with the WFA to bring a team in um, next year and, um, you know, in looking at different areas to do that in. Um, we decided to hold off for this year and then got the call from Maria. So um, it was kind of the perfect storm for us. Um, you know, obviously we, we hadn't planned on doing it in Dallas because we actually live in Arkansas, so it requires a lot of travel on our part. But, um, but we were willing, uh, willing and able to do it, and um, we want to stop this type of stuff from happening in women's football. Um, so that the team can actually become successful and get sponsors that are, you know, big-name sponsors. When these things happen, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to women's football because we can't, you know, they think we're a joke, and then you can't go out and get a Nike or a Reebok or or a big-name sponsor because next year there might be 60 teams, there might be 85, there might be 25, you just never know. So are you are you talking the split? Was it because there was a disagreement between the two parties, uh, or is it just because somebody wanted to do their own thing and branch out, which I think normally happens since I've been following women's uh, football? Right. Um, yeah. You. I, I can't really answer that because I'm not sure what the intentions were. Um, you okay. know, in the past in women's football, um, teams have split off and, and they go and they make a new name and they get a new logo, new colors, right. um, buy new equipment and that kind of thing. Um, and then everything's just fine. Um, in this case, right. that's not what happened. Um, and that's where the problem lies is that um, the name change, the, the Facebook follower merge. Um, so that, it's a serious, you know, serious situation when you take you know, 5,000, 7,000 fans that were following this team and move them over to another team. Um, right. So that's, uh, that's kind of the big – and all the equipment is, you know, we had to buy all new equipment, that kind of stuff. So that's where the problem lies in this switchover. Right, right. So was it more of a – I know you can't speak for Maria, but was this more of an internal battle between the two parties at this point that kind of just brought us to where we're at now? Um, I'm and I, I'm not sure about that. Um, Maria reached out to us in February and um, said that you know this had happened, um, and she didn't have any equipment, didn't have you know any of that kind of stuff. So uh, would we come in and help her? Um, so we we did that, and then after we came in and started helping, is when these other issues happened with the social media and. Um, all the other stuff. So um, right at this point, we're kind of rebuilding. Um, I don't know, you know, um, I'm not sure as far as between Maria and Odessa. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. I just know that Odessa resigned in December from the team um, and then um, began the Texas elite women's football team and then changed it to the Texas elite Spartans. All right, so let's. Uh, I'm going to bring in. Uh, I'm going to bring in Holly here to chime in, and that she can sure. have some questions, and then we'll go with Louise, and then we'll get Mike right after that to talk about you know football in general and what we're going to do for sure. Dallas Elite. So, so Holly, go ahead and shoot away. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Miss Holly, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so I do agree with you on, on your statement that uh, this. 
thing has hurt women's football in the past. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where Dallas has always had a strong market, um, you know, for football period, really, because Texas mm-hmm. uh, loves football. Um, and uh, the city has always had a lot of tradition in women's football. And it kind of made me sad to, to hear all this uh, drama that has occurred. Um, how has this affected the recruiting as far as players? Um, I, I understand that I think uh, the Texas Elite Spartans, is that the correct one now? That's the correct uh, uh, yeah. um Okay, okay. I have to make sure. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so, 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 yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I know what it says in the public records their name is, but right. I, I understand that's what they're going by. But um, So your okay. question is about the recruiting? Yes. Uh, yeah. So basically, uh, I understand that they, they took some of the players uh, from your side. Has that hurt you in recruiting? Do you feel like um, you've been able to uh, get enough numbers. How's that been going? Uh, well, so, I mean, it always hurts the team when that happens because if your mm-hmm. expectation is to have 30, 35 players to start and then bring on rookies, then you can have a solid, you know, 50-player uh, roster. Um, when, you know, half the team goes one way and half the team goes the other way, it, it's certainly going to hurt you. And from a financial standpoint, you know, the Dallas elite expected to have those those players on their roster and here and doing fundraising, et cetera. Um, with that being mm-hmm. said, um, we had a core group of veterans that stayed um, with Maria and then transitioned into with us. Um, and then we've been recruiting ever since. Um, I don't know that we will stop recruiting um, with regards to getting our numbers up. Um, you know, in the WFA, they have a rule that if they haven't played four regular season games, then they can't, they're not eligible to play in the playoffs, so we understand that. Um, so we're, we are still doing tryouts. Um, we'll be having another tryout this week. Um, just, to, you know, we want to have really good numbers. In the past, when we've been in women's football, um, this is something that we would have done in November and December um, mm-hmm. with starting, you know, with doing tryouts. So um, we're getting a late start on it, but we are being, we, we've been very successful with getting players out. So, um, we have no doubt that we'll get the numbers we want, um, but you know it, it doesn't hurt to have a few more girls, no matter what. So, all right, okay. that's kind of our approach. And, yeah. And then uh, with the social media thing, my understanding is that basically you had the the original Dallas Elite page, and then the split happened, and then instead of creating a new page, the the Texas Elite kind of took it over, and that made all the confusion happen. Were you guys able to rectify that? Were you able to, to kind of split it out, or uh, what was the solution on that? Um, no, we are st- we, it still has not been resolved. Um, the other mm-hmm. team um, merged the Dallas Elite team page with their p- new newly created page, um, which then um, in the meantime we had announced that Coach Mike and myself were coming on to the Dallas Elite um, and – so within a few, you know, two-week period, three-week period, they went from 5,000 followers to 7,000 followers. That was then merged um, over to the other team, um, and we have not been able to get any of that back. Okay. Okay. And then 
this this might be an off the wall question, but I understand the sure. frustration of having to deal with um, you know, basically branding confusion. Would it be an option for you guys to find a new like logo and brand? Or is this more of an issue of like pride, like you guys, this is your your your, your city and, and your team and you don't want to give that up? Um, well, so that's a really good question. I don't think it's off the wall. Um, I feel that um, it's it's not possible. The Dallas elite were here first, uh, it would be my mm-hmm. understanding. Um, with regards to pride, um, I wasn't here last year, so um, that – that doesn't really influence my part of it. It, you know, I'm sure it influences the the girls, you know, the veterans that stayed here um, and had loyalty to the team when this was all happening. Um, and of course, Maria, um, I don't feel that the Dallas elite should have to rebrand because of deceptive business practices by somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. So they, you know, they're keeping the name, they're keeping the logo, they're keeping the colors. Um, you know the the social media. That's a that's just a huge um, financial um, situation. Um, you know, damaging the team and and all those people that potentially would have come out to the game to pl- to watch the Dallas Elite um, have now been, you know, shifted over, um, and it causes confusion in the community. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. wants to start a team that's like you know, the South Garland Garnets or you know the the Texas whatevers, that's perfectly fine. But it's the the way it was done and the intent that it was done with that um, is the serious part of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you feel like we can get to the point where we don't have things like this happen in the future? Um, I think that, um, and I've been talking about this for a long, long time, even when we had the Lone Star Mustangs, the Little Rock Wildcats, and the Tulsa Eagles. Um, it's super important for um, there to be some unity at the ownership level um, where all of the owners are doing things similarly. I mean, obviously, um, on the field, we all have to do them differently and, and, and coaching-wise, but um, from an ownership standpoint, um, I think that team owners should be sharing uh, fundraising ideas, sharing sponsorship ideas, um, different ways of getting the girls paid. Um, You know, I I think it's really important for these girls to have opportunities to make money at women's football. So um, a lot of these things, I think, go to the ownership level. And then, of course, the league level, you know, having a few teams here, a few teams there. If they have a dispute, they can go over to another league. Um, I think that's all part of the – the big picture um a lot of the girls just want to play football you know they they want to do a sport that they were always told that they couldn't do and so um they want the opportunity to be able to do this um but from a from a business standpoint or a a a company standpoint a team standpoint um the owners i think need to start being able to do everything together because if if I go to your if I go to your team's game and there's 2000 people in the stands and you come to my game and there's only 200 then of course we're not going to get um a big name sponsor. So kind of getting all of the owners together and and maybe kind of trying to do things a little bit more um mainstream is, is uh my approach and um I hope to be um putting some stuff out there in the next couple of weeks to to encourage some of these owners that are coming on, you know, have come on in the last five years when we weren't part of it 
um, to give them some tips and some strategies on how to how to promote themselves and how to get more people to the tryout. So um, I, th- I think that's, you know, really the, the way that we need to go with women's football to, to make it more unified. I definitely think those are some, some great ideas. Um, I won't hog uh, the questions any longer. I'll, I'll pass off the baton, but thank you for answering the questions. I threw some curveballs at you and you did well. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. I'm going to um, get coach Mike on the line real quick for you. He's out here. We're actually out of practice. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, does anybody else have a question for me while I transition over to Coach Mike? Uh, hey, I'll, I'll do one real quick before you leave. Um, sure. So were you, you said you were talking to Lisa King about maybe doing a team in the WFA. So you're in Arkansas. Obviously, Dallas is a hotbed. There's a travel issue here. So did, did the opportunity just present itself and you thought, okay, or were you cuz i'm thinking you weren't looking in the Dallas area to start a team. So was it just that simple or did the challenge just sound good or you just liked the area? What made you decide to yeah, do it no. or did you Yeah, no. Okay, so um a little background. So we actually we're going to do one in um Arkansas. Of course, there's already the Little Rock Wildcats. We originally well we originally started the Little Rock Wildcats. They're now called the Arkansas Wildcats, but they're but the Division Three champions, um, they only had a few players, so it would have been easy to do that, but we didn't want to um, go in and hurt another WFA team. So we had planned to put a team up in Fayetteville, Arkansas. There used to be a team there a while ago, um, but we were planning on putting a team up there. When we went and did our research and everything, it was really difficult to find a stadium that would allow women's football. So we kind of scratched the idea and said, we're going to table this until next year. Um, And then, so we reached out to Lisa King and told her that we were going to table it till next year. And that was fine. Um, And then in the meantime, Maria called us. So it just so happened to uh, present itself. Um, With that being said, yeah, with that being said, so now we're traveling to Dallas two times a week which is not what we plan to do. So we're making a lot of sacrifices ourselves to be able to be in Dallas on Tuesday and in Dallas every weekend. So okay. it's not the ideal situation, but we're willing to work, you know, we're willing to drive six hours there and six hours back to be here for a two-hour practice. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people that do crazy things like that, and it's just what makes life kind of fun and interesting. Um, right. So I, explain to me, okay, so this ownership stuff, I know you came, you know, in February, and it all happened in December, and people usually have different philosophies or they have different goals of what they want to do and accomplish, and, and maybe that was the situation with Odessa and, and Maria. Um, but mm-hmm. who was the head coach? Because Odessa was the part head coach or part owner and player, or do you not know that? I'm trying to figure out all the all the pieces that were in play. Yeah, the um, – so, yeah, so um, they had – I'm not sure what their coaching staff was um, with okay. regards to last year um, because okay. I wasn't kind of – I wasn't sure. really involved last year. Um, so a little bit more history. Um, so Odessa Jenkins and Maria Spencer actually played together on our Lone Star Mustang team. Um, we oh, love okay. them both. Um, you know, we had a great relationship with both of them. Um, there was never anything wrong um, from our standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. So we – thought everything was good we didn't know anything was really I guess 
going awry at the time. Um, so we, we didn't know anything. Um, we even watched, my husband and I watched all the championship games, um, you know, on live streaming and watched all three, all three of the games. So um, we had no indication that anything was happening. Um, Maria and Mike and I really work well together. I mean, we sat down and we said, you know, this is our expectation. This is your expectation. Can we work together? Um, so um, we, we seem to uh, see everything eye to eye, and it seems really well. I mean, we've been working well, um, and we talk to each other every day and communicate. So um, it's been really good so far, and, and we anticipate that it's going to continue to be really good. So. so what did you – did you just have a meeting with all the players that were there, and how did people decide what team was best for them, and did the teams offer different – I mean, what did you offer that helped girls want to stay with you, do you feel like? And, I mean, that, obviously that was, you know, players dividing from their friends and just different things like that. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that went down? Right. Uh, so I'm not uh, I'm not privy to how that kind of went. When we came aboard, when Mike and I came aboard, um, we came to the Dallas Elite. And right. we set up practices. And we met the players that were still here. Um, I've okay. never talked to the players that are over there. Um, okay. You know, we've never, you so, know, we're not interested in that kind of stuff. We also have the, you know, Arlington Impact here in Dallas um, okay. that we reached out to and made sure that we let them know. We've always had good relationships with the other teams that are in town. And, you okay. know, we don't take other people's players and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so it was already separated when we came aboard. Okay, yeah, for your point. Okay, I, I guess I'm just kind of trying to figure out how did they just both have the same uh, passwords to the Facebook page? Is that how? And then just someone changed this kind of mentality because you were saying that Maria was majority owner. So majority owners in a sport that people really don't make money in, I don't know what that means. Mhm. Yeah. Or can you explain what so, that means yeah. in the sport? Sure, I can. For you guys. Yeah. So sure I can. So so real quick, a disclaimer: this is not legal advice. This is business. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just because so, uh, this is, we're not all making money doing this. So when a majority owner, right, right. usually in the NFL, right. they're making a lot more money. <laughs> right, right. No, I, so, I understand. So a majority yeah. owner, when you set up a business relationship, um, a majority owner, somebody owns fifty-one percent or more, and somebody owns forty-nine percent or less. So right. when that happens. Um, the majority, the majority owner is the primary owner of the business. Um, if right. there is in a your situation case, where, yeah, go ahead. Okay. In your case, though, who had access, they just all have the same access to things. That's what I'm asking. Um, yeah, no, the, some, a, a person on the other side had a password, had the password okay. to the social media. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah, cause I was thinking if there's a majority owner, then did, but they all shared the same access to things. All right. <laughs> Yeah. All righty. Well, um, so, so does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally. Well, yeah, because I just didn't know in your case with the Dallas team what a majority meant in this case with women's football and how. Right. Um, because the, the press release obviously talks about this situation, and so, right. but if if they both had both access to the Facebook page, then it seems like it's more of a moral um, dilemma, not or uh, not really a legal dilemma. Uh, well, it's, uh, well, yeah. Okay. So, um, so the issue with Facebook, uh, you know, the, t- having the username and password and then changing the password and locking somebody out, that's one thing. Um, sure. 
the the financial or the legal situation, and again, I, I'm not giving legal advice. I'm just explaining business information. The idea is is that um, those 5,000 followers or 7,000 followers or however many um, were people that bought tickets, bought merchandise, went to the concession stand. So how much is that worth to the team that already existed? Totally. Is it worth nothing or is it worth a value? Um, same thing with the players. You know, obviously the players don't want to have to pay, but if a player pays $500 a year to be on the team, then the team that they're leaving anticipated that these 35 or 55 or whatever number of players were going to pay their player fee that year. Is that worth right. nothing or does that have a value to it? So th- right. that goes into multiple different things. The equipment, you know, if, if, a, if the team you leave has to buy new equipment, how much is that worth? Um, so that's kind of when you come to women's football, um, it seems pretty simple as far as, you know, if nobody's making money, then, you know, let's split zero and zero. It's going to be zero. Um, mm-hmm. But if if a team's making money and one's a 51% owner and one's 49, then that's how it gets split. Now, if somebody resigns and leaves and is no longer part of the part of the organization, then how much is that person responsible for? Right. Uh-huh. I think that's the key so, is if you resign from the organization, then you should be resigning in theory from what you're saying, resigning from everything from that organization, equipment, um, you know, all those aspects. So, uh, very interesting. All right, last you question. It, I didn't. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just uh, putting the pieces together, and uh, you know, I, I live in Montana, so uh, it doesn't well, affect no, me. And but you know, and uh, yeah, and the press release was to um, alleviate some of the confusion that was going on as far as uh, women's football as a whole. Um, right. Not sure what's happening, um, and not sure well, which team is still still exists, and you know. You know, magazine articles that say that the Dallas Elite doesn't exist anymore, that we changed our name. That's not true. We're still the Dallas Elite. So we needed to make sure oh. that the media community knew that the Dallas Elite was still here. Oh, I follow, you know, I mean, I follow the league and the teams, and I think that's totally a headache, just waiting to explode constantly all the time. You have two yeah. elite names being used. But that's, I guess, a fun job for you guys to figure out. Um, so my last question is, um, I really liked your points about, I mean, I know there's a lot of good theories out there and stuff about ownership and how pe- teams can protect each other and just their entities and things like that. Um, I really like, you know, in the NFL, obviously they have the owners, and, of course, they're all making a lot of money, and they want to protect that with each other and protect the interest. They can all make money. And they have their boats and their things like that. Um, right. I think what's difficult in this sport is that not everyone's good at business. Not everyone has the business background when they say, I want to start a team. Certain amount of ugh, just not good mm-hmm. football teams. Um, in the no. case that have – pardon? That is correct. Yeah. So um, – you know, I wish there was – I know that the WSA does require a certain amount of paperwork and a certain amount of proof that you can sustain a team. And, of course, people aren't honest when they turn in their paperwork and how many players they truly have and just those kind of things. And then people fold and there's forfeits and people are upset because they've lost money for a home game and stuff like that. Um, in the case that I was involved with several years ago when the Falcons uh, branched off from the Jinx, it was actually um, – 
corruption in the monies and bills not getting paid. And so it was easier, um, and it went into the papers and it went into the news um, because it's easy to track when someone's not paying their bills and and when you're Correct. you know when players are paying. So that's easy. And and that coach uh, Lisa got involved. Lisa King and that coach got kicked out of the WFA. Um, but there was a lot of paperwork that had to be presented and a lot of proof, and that took effort, and I was actually involved with that. So those things are okay. easy, and in that case, it was very nice to be able to say, hey, another team needs to be created, and we don't want to use that team name because that team name is associated with um, corruption. So, of course, you're going to start a new team and a new team name. Um, mm-hmm. But what would be nice is that in that same situation, if you had owners that could – police each other, help each other, police each other, and then and, and protect each other, but then also protect the sport. And because right. that's what causes so many problems is people are either aren't good at it, inexperienced, they run out of money, because every no owner says that they make a ton of money off this, <laughs> if they're making any money. And, um, and so people make bad decisions, definitely, when money comes into play. So, right. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's definitely hard. So what is your what is your impassioned speech when you talk to your players and potential players that will draw them to want to play for you when there's two other teams in your city? What's your purpose? What's your what's your mission statement? What makes them want to come uh, play for you? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I I got to say I don't have one. I I've been in women's football a long time. Um we had our teams before. We set up the processes and procedures that made us successful. We set up the processes and procedures to make sure that if players wanted to get paid, they could get paid. Um, we had several players that got paid each year. Um, so my background is as a, a business consultant first is what I did you know, originally, and I own several businesses. So I feel that I'm really good at the business side. So I do all the planning and, and that kind of thing. So I, when I go into women's football and when I talk to these other owners, um, I, I try to give them ideas and creative ways to be a successful, profitable business, first and foremost. Um, when it comes to the players, um, I leave that really to the coaches. Um, the, the players come out and they see the authenticity, the integrity, um, and the knowledge that our coaches have. And um, that's really what sells us um, because we have a lot of really good coaches. Um, now, this is obviously is a new, this is a new season and this is a new set of coaches that we hadn't worked with before. So we kind of sat down with the coaches and said, this is, these are our expectations, you know, respect for the players, um, teaching, you know, educating the players from the ground up. Um, and so I feel that, by offering that to the new players and offering that to the players that maybe didn't get it before, um, that's really what sells um, us to them. Um, and that's why, you know, we've been successful in the past in women's football, and uh, now we're back in it. So hey, um, that's, we're super excited. That's totally cool. Yeah. And, and the sport needs more people like that that definitely have the experience and can stay with it. Um, that made me think of one last question. Do you feel like you have a lot of players – that shop around? Because I know the WFA has certain strict contracts for, uh, you know, when can players change teams and stuff like that. Do you feel like you've had players that have gone to other teams and to check everything out? 
Um, I don't know. I, I really don't even okay. ask the players if they're talking to another team or they um, because that really is on them. If if they don't feel sure. that our that if they don't feel that our coaching staff or our owners or you know have their backs, then they're welcome to go see other teams. That's perfectly fine. Yep. And I could understand that because, you know, we become a family and you become, you know, in being a team and you're with these people two and three and four days a week. And then you go onto the field and you expect the person to your left and the person to your right to have your back. And if you don't know if they're all, they're bought into the system, then I'm not sure that that's somebody that you want out on the field with you. You know what I mean? So, yep. um, I don't know if anybody has or if anybody is. Um, we, you know, when we came on, the, one of the first things we did was we called the Arlington Impact and we said, hi, our names are Mike and Lynn. We're getting on with Maria. And we want you to know that uh, we're here to be, you know, be with you, not against you or not to take anybody or come, you know, come sneak up to your practices or anything like that. Um, that's just not how we are. And we don't have time to do that. Uh, we 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 have very limited time coming on this, you know, late in you know February. Um, we would have been doing this stuff in October, November, December. But um, so, you know, for me, if it's a player that doesn't want to be there, then I wish you luck, and I don't have any hard feelings. I'm good, you know, we're good to go. So um, that's you know that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, if somebody wants to play somewhere else, they're welcome to. All right. Well, it sounds like great philosophy, and I wish you guys luck this year. Thank you so much. Do you guys even right, want Lynn. to talk to Coach Mike? I mean, he's yeah, not even that important. What... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not that important. We're we're good. No, I'm, no uh, we need to bring in Mike in. Um, uh, so, Mike, uh, we have some core veterans that you guys have, you know, from the split. You got Dez Allen. You got Jamie Fornell. You got Devon Goldsmith. All these, you got core veterans that are obviously being uh, leaders. So uh, at this point, Mike, based on the schedule that the WFA put out, uh, are you confident that you're going to be very competitive? Yeah, we're going to be competitive. The uh, the key right now is getting these people as much time and effort as they can uh, on the field and getting some hitting time. Now, Mike, uh, you you have the traditional traditional rivals on your schedule, Arlington, but you also get two key uh, two key matchups in there. I believe it's Kansas City on the schedule as well. So, um, yep. you know, obviously equal level playing field. The goal, Atlanta, from what I understand, from, right, exactly. So you got Phoenix and Kansas City, pretty much the obstacles. Uh, Arlington always good rival locally. Everybody else is probably beatable based on our assessment from when we look at the schedule right now and based on the core group of players that you still have left. Um, so the mindset still to go back to back, right? The mindset is still to go back to back. Here's the thing. We do realize though, that we're going to be on a dog fight every game. And uh, that's the way we're teaching it. And that's the way we plan on playing every game. We have to be able to focus on each opponent. We cannot overlook anybody with what we have as rookies and, and uh, even with our veterans, we have a lot of football to be played this year and we have to get them ready um, with the mindset that they are not, they are not last year. They are not the team from last year. They are the 2018 Dallas elite and they must work hard and play hard to be able to win games. 
how confident are you that this schedule is going to uh, make you stronger as week to week goes by? Because it looks like you guys get right out of the block, probably an equal level team that you're going to play. And then all of a sudden you get your rival. And then um, and I think the second week you get Atlanta, right? Yeah, thir- uh, week three, actually. We get a week break in between there. But, uh, yeah, yes, so- we do have quite a, quite a challenge in front of us in that third week, no doubt about it. So now, uh, Mike, you've been in the league. Yeah, you've been in the league a long time. So uh, Atlanta's going to be a challenge. Big game to win if you if you get to that you know stage. Uh, Kansas City is going to be a big win. So have you kind of projected in your head? You know, obviously you want to win every game, but at this point, realistically, do you feel like you know you're going to go into you know uh, a good season, which is maybe what a five and three or something like that, or a four and four wins, five wins? You'll never get me to say we're going to lose a game. What, Mike? Are you You'll serious? Never... <laughs> I'm dead serious. You'll never get me to say we're going to lose a game. <laughs> I can tell you right now, we're we're planning on some games you're being losing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, Coach, I know that's real. That's the that's the rea- the attitude you got to have no matter what. But um, but you do have a competitive schedule. That's what I'm saying. So this is going to be a, 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 a fight, like you're, like you're pointing out. Yeah. And that and that is true. We know it's going to be competitive, and that's why that's why we play the game. Quite frankly, if it wasn't competitive, why would we be playing women's football in the first place? Um, you know, this team has had a lot of blowouts in the past. Uh, that time right now, that that's not now. We're going to play, have to play really hard to win every game. And uh, like I said, it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, and I I honestly like the challenge as opposed to going in with everybody just you know, being set and ready to to blow everybody out. We're ready to go in here and challenge everybody and do the best we can to win the game. Mike, you've been at that championship level, Lone Star Star Mustangs. You've been there at that level. So you know what it takes to get to that level. So winning back-to-back in this situation, the way the state of the team is in this year, and given everything that's changed, uh, this would be very gratifying for you guys as an organization. It'd be extremely gratifying, I have to say. Um, the challenges that have been put before us before the season and the challenges we're going to have to face during the season, um, every win will be gratifying. Uh, and uh, if we make it to that championship and we win that championship, man, it would be just absolutely unbelievable. I would love to be standing there with Maria Spencer at the end of the season with that trophy in my hand and, uh, and in her hand and in my wife's hand and have all the team members with their hands on top of it because that's the way this team is going to be playing this year. Awesome. So, Mike, uh, do you guys expect a, a large crowd at this point? Uh, fanfare, you guys have been out there fundraising yet, or how is it working so far? Since we signed the contract on February 6th to be part of the ownership, we have been fundraising. We have been setting up as many fundraisers as we can. We've been getting as many players as we can. Uh, involved in all the fundraising processes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a business we've run before. We know how to run it. Uh, we've never done it on such a short timeline, but we're making it happen. Uh, next year it will be a lot easier to get things lined out and ready to go. But, uh, but as I said before, we're up to the challenge. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the big challenges for us have been related just to football. Um, you know, we had – I forget how many players we had the day we signed the contract, but I think it was like maybe 14 or 15 uh, that we had solid on the roster. 
And uh, we had to build a roster in less than a month and get to practice and be ready to play a game by April 7th. That, for any team, is going to be a challenge. For sure. So, at this point, the state of the Dallas elite of the WFA is really a, the goal is to get back-to-back championships. The goal is Atlanta, as, as it should be for every team that starts off the first yep. week. Um, so, our, can, our you give us, <laughs> right, can you give us a focus of are you going to be more offensive-minded at this point, more defensive-minded? I mean, what's the scheme? Is it a, you know, as a 4-3? What's the scheme that we're looking at to, as we're watching you this year? Well, uh, don't want to give a whole lot away, but we're looking at um, a scheme that will fit the players that we have. And uh, with a lot of rookies, we've uh, made some adjustments so that we can adjust during games. We're going to be playing against Austin, who's a big, uh, big across-the-line run team. Um, right, right. And so we're having to set up for you know six and seven going up there in the box. Sometimes eight in the box. Um, you know, when we get to Atlanta, it could be a completely different game there. Uh, so we have a lot to adjust for. Where in the past, most of the Texas teams are mainly run based. Um, so defensively, you didn't have to do a whole lot of uh, pass um, defense up until you got to the playoffs. Um, this year, it's going to be a lot different. We're we're guessing on Kansas City and on Atlanta that we're going to have quite a challenge as far as the pass defense comes. Uh, but, again, we're up to the challenge. We've got a lot of good athletes that can do it. Uh, we, think we're, uh, we think we're putting them in the right place to win games. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, we've got some really good uh, quarterback action happening. Um, and I think we can either run or pass, depending on the situation that we have. Um, I think we're going to be a well-balanced team is what that boils down to. All right. So, Mike, I appreciate appreciate you guys making the time today to come in. I know you guys, uh, you know, working out there, working hard to try to get, you know, to that April 7th, uh, April 14th matchup. Um, So, Lynn and Mike, thank you for coming on and clarifying that for the fans, our listeners, and the devoted fans of women's tackle football. And so we look forward to the WFA being – the Dallas elite being prominent once again in the, uh, in the end, which is in the playoffs and making the road uh, to Atlanta. Thank you for having us on. We look forward to this season. Thank you. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you guys. Good luck. Thank you, Lynn and Mike. I appreciate it. We'll chat uh, in season and then the playoffs if we can, and then we'll bring you on again, obviously if we're in that state of mind. So uh, continued success in Dallas. Great. Thank you so much, guys. You have a good night. All right, so uh, Luis, there you go. Um, Holly's actually going to can be with us for the next hour here. Um, she had some other st- stuff to come up, but overall, Luis, uh, I'm not concerned based on his history and and the way that they've run the teams before. And uh, Lone Star Mustangs were, I believe, if I'm correct, were one of the top teams initially when the WFA was created, and so they they understand how to build a program. Yeah, they, Lone Star won a championship. I think it was 12. 12. I, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, you know, Dallas is a huge city. That is just a humongous metropolis there. And um, there's all kinds of athletes there. So I definitely see how it could be very um, conflicting and confusing when you're trying to 
attract people to your team and not just through social media, but through all the other avenues of, of how you get players. And then, um, but players and and different players have different mindsets. So a a certain player may just want to have an opportunity to play more and a certain player may want to just win more and play less or a certain player is very much attracted to a very hard nosed coaching staff. And another player doesn't like that because it offends them or they don't like being told that they messed up or things like that. So I feel like if you have any team with the right organization and the right coaching can be successful in that metropolis. And coaching is so key and the ownership is so key. I mean, the state of Texas, I'm jealous because there's so many teams down there. And so their travel is just, oh gosh, just so much closer than it was where I was going. Louise, you can't be jealous. You can't be jealous. No. It's 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 like no, it's like the true. it's like the it's like the barbecue pit of barbecue pits. It's so good <laughs> that everywhere you turn, somebody is playing football. That's what I was told earlier. I know. It's just that good. No, you know what I mean? It's like you got you got high school, junior, peewee, women, oh, you name it. Somebody is playing football. It's just just the way I it know. is in that state. I know they got two te- I mean they got teams right there just right next door so I think that's very cool and it's easy on your travel and easy, easier on your pocketbook but as long as you can present a product that attracts the type of player that you are trying to attract and I love that she's like I don't care if you don't want to play for us we just want the players that want to play for us now you know you do yeah. need to mix the right sauce and mix the right soup um sure. and uh that's from your that's from your coaching staff and and, uh, you know, more power to them. But I think, oh, gosh, if you do it the right way, you'll get the athletes. And he sounds well, like Well, I can tell coach. you right now, being a former powerhouse before this whole split, it's nice to yeah. hear them obviously on the same mindset, it's, uh, as you can tell from them. There's still a championship mindset there. It's, it's well, not, you know, they're not yeah. like they're not like going away. You know what I mean? It's not like a brand-new yep. team. They, they're like, we retain – we retain the values, the logo, the championship is here, Fend the championship. It's really the mindset, and I think that's a credit to both of them. Well, and I was watching things, and you could see around Christmas and January not a lot was going on with their page, so it made me wonder, okay, what's going on? And then that makes sense now why they came on in February. Everything's picked up. The momentum's picked up more. You can't do this alone. you got to have – you can't – It's yeah. just, it takes so many people to be successful, and so yeah. – um, yeah, I really like their mindset, and that's perfect for Texas football. And and since we're only talking about the WFA Dallas team, that's all I'm you know going to comment about. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's 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 great as far as their mentality. It sounds like they have some experience coaching. Um, yeah, you, it's it's interesting how people just decide they want to do something different and do a philosophy. That actually is a little bit of. I like the idea where people say, oh, the sport needs to be unified. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to know how many teams and all that kind of thing. I totally get that. And yet, because women's football is not, it's still a pay-to-play sport, then then I'm okay with options. And girls ought to have options. If they're going to spend $1,000 and if that team has problems, then then they should be able to go play for another team or, yeah, the, the or another option. league. Yeah, the yeah, option. you're free agents. You're all free yeah, agents. Yeah, no problem. And so, and so it would really stink if the team, if the only team in your city, now Dallas can handle a big team, a big, a lot of several teams at least. They have three. If the only team in your city 
just was horrible. And so yeah, I mean, that didn't would have be options. a problem. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm still kind of, uh, you know, if, if the NFL came in and said, hey, we are going to sponsor a league and, and they're going to run it and they, there's going to be money involved and all that kind of stuff and we're going to hire the coaches, then, hey, I am all for unification, one league, that kind of thing. And anyone else that wants to play, they can have, you know, these other leagues and you can, you know, have your feeders or, or it still makes it so that people can still yeah, yeah. play the sport, even if you don't live in sure. one of the 12 cities the NFL would do. But on the other hand, I'm still kind of okay with two leagues because if you if you I'm not saying that yeah. either league is run great, but at least you still have a choice. And we still live in America, and choices are still important. And if Odessa right. wanted to go do something different and have her own team and do whatever, it's still America. Does it stink for women's sports? Yeah, a little bit. Does it make it hard on the marketing? Of course, all of those things. Of but it's still America. Yeah. Still, people are paying to play. And That's so it's a hard to, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like a, and there's, there's legal conflicts that they're dealing with. I'm sure they're, they feel like are legal. Social media is so right. complicated, it seems like, but then there's also right. the moral conflicts that people are bringing up. So it's kind of tough. And it's, and, and if one league is running the show on everything and the leadership of that one league hypothetically is, is not pure in heart, then, and I'm not saying that in this situation, I'm just saying, if you only have one league, and they're no, not right, making right. money, and no one else. And and if they're not pure in heart, and they don't, are, at the end of the day, the teams can only look out for themselves and their best interests because they're sure, the ones sure. living in Arkansas. The Kings aren't living no, right, right. in Arkansas. So anyway, it's just interesting to we got to have something fun to talk about. So no, right. you know, let's go uh, into the <laughs> let's go into the second huddle. Uh, also sponsored by Zazzle.com. You get uh, Zazzle.com. You go to uh, Gridiron Beauties. Save up to 15% off daily on uh, leggings, T-shirts, and other gifts, as well as you can sign up for Zazzle Black for free shipping for $9.99. And we're going to get into the huddle here. The Division II runner-up Tampa Bay Inferno, and we should have in the house uh, Jen, the owner, Jen Moody, as well as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Inferno, Johnny Green, and the veteran quarterback, 16-year veteran Kim Shaw. So Tampa Bay Inferno in the house. Welcome to the Blitz alongside Luis Bean, Oscar Lopez here. Uh, we're excited to have you on. Hello. Thanks for having us tonight. Awesome. Hello. Jen, um, the journey the last two seasons for you guys has been uh, not as satisfying. The season has been great. Uh, but uh, what can you tell us about the last, the 2016 and 2017 ending? Well, we know the endings of the both of those stories and uh, not so great on our end. But, um, you know, I think with, with each, you know, final outcome comes a lesson. And, um, you know, we've, we've taken away some lessons and, um, you know, it wasn't our year. We had a great season, but we just didn't finish. Um, you know, there's a, a number of things that add up to that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of lessons you learn and take away and, you know, with the goal of building and um, looking to finish strong this season. So, Jen, uh, the regular seasons have been very successful for you. Is it because you guys are playing Division Three caliber play and then when you get to the playoffs, the level gets elevated? You know, I think that's one part of it for sure. Um, you know, we, we do have um, some Division Two teams that we play as well um, in Miami and in Jacksonville that are, you know, nice competition for us. But I do think that our strength of schedule does play a role into it. 
um, hence why we did request to have Atlanta um, on our schedule this year. You know, I think there's yeah. a, a lot of factors that come into play with that as well as travel and expense and cost to try to strengthen that schedule. Um, but I think that's one. I, I think for us is, is we know that you, um, I think that third game um, has been almost our championship game. Um, for us, for two years, we've had um, quite yeah. extensive travel when it comes to playoffs. So I think um, exhaustion sets in, the finances, and it's not just physical exhaustion. I think it's the mental, um, it's the time off work, it's the, the lack of sleep. I think that plays into it, and um, and I think that had a role as well. Now, Jen, you've owned this team for a long time, and there's been transition up to the Inferno name here. So there's a lot of pride in the area. Um, how is the fanfare for you guys in terms of fans coming out to, to watch you guys? You know, we have a great fan base. Um, you know, it continues to get stronger, you know, each year as more and more people uh, find out about us. Um, and I'd say, you know, our, our average attendance is, is anywhere from 350 to 500 per game at our home games, um, which is decent. Um, certainly we would like that to be a lot stronger. Um, but, you know, I think that um, over the years we, we've, we've built it the right way. You know, we've kind of been slow and steady with our growth in the community. We've gained respect from um, our community partners, as well as other organizations and charities that we've been a part of, and I think that's played a role in it. Now, you know, the the Inferno has been known for success because you guys have, I think, 15-0 and 0 the last two seasons. So that in itself is a great accomplishment. Not a lot of teams go undefeated in the regular season. So to get to the next level as an owner right now, and you're looking towards Atlanta, of course, uh, there's no obstacle in St. Louis because apparently they're not coming back. Montreal has been ousted and no longer available. So does the journey make it easier for this season, or do you think it's still going to be tough to get to that to the end? I think every year brings new dynamics. So um, it's definitely not an easy course. Um, you know, as, as each team changes from player personnel, um, you know, to, to some who are retiring, et cetera. You know, and I think every team faces that as, as well as we are, are looking at that this year. Um, I, I'm proud that um, we have an incredible coaching staff um, again this year. Um, we only have one new face added to the coaching staff. Everybody else is returning, which sets a, a tremendous um, leadership for, for the women on the field. Um, you know, and, and the players that we have are returning veterans as well as um, a lot of new rookies this year that are just really bought into our program or organization. And I'm excited what they're going to translate onto the field. Now, Jen, you guys have been very prominent in the media locally with a lot of featuring on local television and stuff. Um, so uh, how does that – how have they received you at this point? Are they covering you more? Are they, they get the sense that this is top league? Because obviously you're, you play in the top league in the nation pretty much. Yes, definitely. You know, I would still say that's a, a, a big need for us. Um, there's a lot of room for growth when it comes to media and PR. Um, you know, I know it seems like we do get a lot, um, but there, there's a lot of room for growth. Um, you know, it, it honestly, it has been a struggle for us. Um, you know, just really, um, you know, once we get in the door, you know, we have a, a great rapport and, you know, some nice coverage. But really get in that door and get in the door consistently, um, it, to be honest, has been a challenge for us. Now, social media-wise, as an owner, we have a lot of owners in the WFA that have done pretty good successful things in terms of investing money on social media. 
you know, Seattle, you got a, a bunch of teams on the West Coast and as, as well as on the East Coast. Uh, is your penetration on social media, has that grown as well? You know, it's grown. It's grown at a slow pace, I think, as, as many teams sometimes are faced with um, having the, um, the folks who are able to aid and assist you in, in the social media. Um, we still have a lot of room to grow um, with our social media network and our, our outlets. Um, we have brought somebody on board this year who is starting to um, help us in that avenue. So, you know, I'm excited to see a little bit more growth this year. Right. Um, you know, Chicago used to do – the Chicago Force used to do really good promos in, in, in terms of week-to-week on social media. It's always key to have that, mm-hmm. you know, to dive into it because it gives you a, a different outlet uh, because you're sharing things on there and it balloons to, you know, you share it at 500, now it becomes 1,500, now it becomes 3,000. So a lot of more, you know, available reach that you normally would have to do door-to-door as a normal salesperson, which is kind of hard to do, especially when everybody's got jobs and everything else to do. But on social media, that literally right. a you know, low budget gets you a little bit of an intake. You know, if you want to pay $10, like say on Facebook, to get just 2,500 people to get to notice your event, not such a big deal anymore mm-hmm. as it was before we had to do uh, print and media, which cost thousands. So that's, a, right. a, I think, a, a benefit to the sport also. I agree 100%. You know, in, in terms of our recruitment and, you know, a lot comes from social media. I mean, it's we're grassroots. You know, social media just happens to be a faster and, you know, just a, it, at the click of your fingertips to be able to reach so many more people um, but, you know, I think as a, as a league and um, as teams individually, we're still grassroots. You know, it's that um, face-to-face getting out in the community, shaking some hands, getting the awareness out there. But social media is, is an added plus for sure. All right, Jen, I'm going to have uh, Luis shoot you some questions here, and then we'll move on to uh, head coach Johnny Green, and then we'll move on to uh, Kim after that. But uh, I'll have Luis kind of finish up the, this portion, and then we'll get to the coach. Hey, right. how Sounds you doing? Great. Thank you. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, so how long have you been the owner? Or partial uh, seven owner? Years since, yes, uh, seven, seven years. Yes, seven years since the um, 2012. So, and I came from Pittsburgh. I was a, a player in um, for the Pittsburgh Passion from the the first year, and then moved down to to Tampa, Florida. Oh, cool. Okay, so have you are you the only owner, or is there a group of owners, or how are you guys set up? Yeah. So um, there's basically two of us. Okay. And um, so I did watch some of your news clips, which I think are awesome. In fact, that sport guy who does that, he's pretty funny. He's got some great terms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's uh, Anthony Allred. He's, he's a favorite here in Tampa. And, uh, you know, he, he is one who has embraced us, so, so we appreciate him. He's a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. You can tell. I mean, he whipped out like three or four in one sentence. Just uh <laughs> Amazing. I can't even repeat it. It was so good. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw that. And then I know your quarterback's on, and she's a longtime quarterback. And and yeah. when I noticed your team on the clips, um, it really looks like – I know you're run heavy. Your stats are so run heavy. And um, mm-hmm. it just looks like you have a lot of really good athletes. And I'm curious how long – how long how long had your longest playing athlete played? Oh, I think she's on the phone with us, so I will definitely oh, let that her the speak one? to that. <laughs> okay. Well, I read 18 yes. years, but is that all with Orlando? No, it can't be all with Orlando, is it? 
No, Tampa. Is, is Kim on? I mean, Tampa. I meant, I meant Tampa. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Go, go yes, ahead, Kim. All I with Tampa. We, we started out as Tampa Bay Oh, that's right. That's right. And then the Tampa Bay Terminators, and then uh, Pirates, and then Inferno. Okay. And I with so how long, is, how long has it been Inferno? Seven years. Seven years, okay. So you guys have been around. Now, Tampa's a pretty – I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do, and so how do you? What is your biggest um, thing that you think attracts people to your games, or how do you get them? Your number one way, do you think? You know what? I and and Coach Green and and Kim can can speak to this too. But you know, honestly, of course, you know, initially it's it's your your family and friends network that want to come out and support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their their friends and loved ones, but. You know, another thing that has been great for us is just our community outreach. Um, when our women, when we go out into the community for events, um, we are so engaged with the kids or, you know, um, adults, and um, meaning, you know, just they look at us and say, gosh, you guys are such a great group, you know, a, a family atmosphere, so much fun. We want to come out and support you. And, and I think some of that energy is just infectious. And, you know, I, I think the, the women on our team are just do an incredible job of just you know, helping to, you know, not just um, get a, a good name for Tampa Bay Inferno, but the sport itself. So I think those random folks that just come out to the games are because um, of a lot of events that we've done out in the community. Okay. So just seeing your face, and that's why you were talking grassroots, because, yeah, unless people Google you or have heard of you, they're not going to see you on social media unless right. they've, they've seen you somewhere else a lot. Um, so... What is your philosophy, and maybe this is more for the coach, um, what is your offensive or and defensive philosophy when you are dealing with a, a rookie? What do you think is the, the hook that gets them to come back? Well, I think for me, um, the, the hook has just been transparent, just been honest with them, and not try to overwhelm them. Um, those are all, all keys that uh, my coaching staff, we, we, we take into consideration um, every offseason as we try to find more rookies to come in into this league. It's just trying to let them know that um, we, have a, we have a certain standard. We call it the inferno way. But we're not going to just overwhelm you. We're not going to put you in a uh, bad position just so you, you can uh, be a part of this team or just to get, uh, be a plan for you. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're in a position that's going to be suited for you um, to excel in. Yeah, exactly. Um, how far was your furthest travel game? You were talking about getting tired and, you know, at the end of the season a little bit with the travel. How far did you guys have to go? Um, last year we game? went to, uh, to a playoff game. We went to Placeville, New York, which is right outside of Canada. Uh, we played a oh, uh, we played Montreal um, last year in the um, um, oh, finals. Oh, the neutral, um, that neutral yes. side game. Okay. Correct. Gosh, and so you flew. I'm guessing you flew. Yes, we yes some some did fly and then some did uh, drive up. All right, so give me an idea. I'm on the west, so give me an idea of how much driving, how long the drive was. Um, Jen, help me out. By, was 17, 18 yeah, hours or was- more. No, I I think it was closer to uh, 21, 24 hours. You know, I mean, obviously that's the, you know, the duration with maybe some stops, but it sure. um, it was yeah. closer to 21 hours. 
Oh, man. I think the longest I, we would drive would be 15. And wow. uh, that was on a coach bus. Um, that was for a regular season game. Oh, man, women's football. Mm. Got to love it. Um, <laughs> how long? <laughs> now, your head coach, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been with the team? Um, I've been with the team for uh, four years now. Okay. So how'd they woo you to go hang out with women and coaches? Because <laughs> <laughs> every coach has to be wooed initially. I know this. You know, you know, I, you know. To be honest with you, I guess if you really just meet Jen Moody, um, I mean that's that's the woo right there itself. That's, you um, couldn't even. I, you, know, you had nothing. That's the woo. You I had not, nothing. I had just, nothing. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, she. You know, I was out there practicing one time watching them and. Um, just the just her um, infection that she has has on people. Um, I just couldn't tell her no. Oh, that's awesome. And where were you? What were you doing at the time as far as coaching? What were you doing? High school? Well, you know what? I actually, I actually, I had I I had been out of football for about maybe two years now. I had say I retired. I was coaching football for about maybe eighteen years at the high school level um, as an offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. And um, I just said, you know what, I was just done. And and when I went out to a practice one time with a friend of mine, um, it was just, it, you know, it's, again, like, you know what, I want to try this, you know, and it it, it, it went from there. Mm-hmm. So QB, QB1. Yes. Um, I'm assuming she's still QB1 after all these years, right, Coach? Yes, she is. <laughs> okay, you haven't demoted her for poor behavior or something like that, or for getting for uh, getting more mature, huh? Um, nah. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me what keeps you coming back after all that time? Because I play, I I played eight years quarterback, just barely retired, and it's stinking hard to have moved away and just not be around it. So um, tell me what keeps you coming back. Tell us how you really feel, Louise. Just my love for the game, really. And like they say, like Coach Green said, you can't tell Jim Moody no. <laughs> Man, she's like a ty- tyrant over there, Oscar. You got a tyrant on your show. <laughs> Jen is very convincing. That's never... the word. Jen is very convincing. Yeah, that's it. Very convincing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that there's this, oftentimes there's great connections between players and coaches and owners and, and you just love doing it all together and being on that same sideline, and there's just an infectious thing about that. But I gotta ask how you old how old you are now, then. I am 52 years young. Are you serious, girl? <laughs> yes. I saw your picture. You're looking good. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, when I was playing, um, our coach, you know, you're always you don't want to put your players in positions where they could get injured, or it's for quarterbacks, you know, you don't. Want him just to take some blind shot and things like that. So, does he tell you to slide? Does he tell you to do any of those things? <laughs> he tells me don't run. He don't run. No run. Down in the pocket. No, that's right. Just, just, just uh, knee it. Just, just knee fall it. down in the pocket. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. And you guys, because you're in shotgun, aren't you? If I remember. A lot. I am. No, you're I'm, not in shotgun. Underneath you. Okay, you're in under center. I couldn't remember when I was watching the clips. All right. Well, you guys sound like you got a good thing going, and it seems like uh, you definitely know who the boss lady is, that's for sure. 
And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> you guys must be you must be getting paid. She must be paying you guys over there or something like that. Um, just, but, just, uh, just yeah. hamburgers and hot dogs. Oh yeah, that's all our staff gets. Those ones from Seven Eleven. Yeah, a lot of calories. Do you have 7 down there? Do you have Seven Elevens or Circle K's as your convenience stores? Yes, both. You do. Yes. Okay, so so that's what she's buying, you guys. Seven Eleven one. Right? No, hats off to you, QB, because because uh, it sure is. Uh, I don't know. Once someone plays QB for a while, then it's hard to just stop playing that position. So hats off to you and keep up the good work. And you know, I so we we play the team that I played for the Utah Falcons. We um, last year we won the championship back to back, but the first time we went, we lost. And it was so it it was it sucked big time, and I know that it really you know motivated our team, and we lost you know in the final minutes and we lost by five and it really motivated our team and people were so angry and so mad and I can't imagine doing it twice and so mm. lastly for any of you guys or you can all answer, I mean like our head coach would never even watch that game film still hasn't had never watched the game film to our loss, and so. Um, so how how do you recover or keep going after twice? Because in sports that sucks. So any of you guys can answer, but well, uh, Coach Green, how many times have you watched that video? <laughs> well, but for me, honestly, you know, um, um, <laughs> um, I may have watched that video maybe maybe once, if that, and. And that's just answer, been, been recently. Honest answer. You know, uh, that just then that just been that just been been recent since the season started up. Oh um, yeah. Because for for me, it's just one of the things that I try to do because uh, I don't like losing at anything. So yeah. Uh, it took me a while just to get over it, but but I knew I knew I had a job to do, and I knew that I promised this team that I will I will return. So I had to try to put that behind me. And just see what we need to do to, uh, to get better. My hat's off to St. Louis. Um, they, you know, tre- uh, tremendous coach, tremendous team. Um, it's not, now it's up to me to get our team prepared. So let's just wipe this off and start all over um, and see what we need to do differently. Um, it's a, a new team, new players, new schedule. Um, let's set our path. You know, destiny, destiny waits for, for no one. You have to go and, and make your own destiny. And that's the mindset. I tell my players, you know, everyone has value to this team. Um, what is your value? Your value may be different from a person who's a first-teamer or a second-teamer. Um, let's forget about yesterday. Let's come in here. Let's grind. Let's work hard. Um, um, and understand something, that um, I gave them a uh, Q-tip, and, which means quit taking it personal. Don't take it personal. Um, because I'm going to ride you, I'm going to grind you, I'm going to make sure that, that we're prepared that much better um, than we were before. Um, so whether it's a, a different scheme, a little play here, um, that kind of stuff, that's what we need to do um, to just wipe it out. A whole new season is in front of us. Let's see what's awaits. Well, QB1, it's different when you're a player, so what do you think? And when you're also the quarterback. I still haven't watched the video, and I never will. Um, again, I, I have to put it all on the love of the game. 
And although it hurt to lose twice in a row to the same team, basically the same way, well, we played better the second time, but we couldn't get over the hump. But it still doesn't deter me from wanting to play. Nothing's going to, I mean, everybody loses every once in a while. You just got to learn how to bounce back. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like when we lost, it just, I felt so personally um, hurt by it because you feel, a sense, I mean, everyone on the team should feel a sense of responsibility of it. But uh, certain positions, and I think definitely at QB, you feel it more, you, it's hard to say, well, I feel it more than you. That's hard to say because that's not fair. But you definitely feel a certain personal responsibility for it and and all of those things. So, and you're right, all you can do yep. is either say, Say it again. I think I cried the longest in the locker room. Yes. You did, you said? I think I cried the longest in the locker room. Oh, the longest. The okay, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah everybody was leaving, and I was still sitting in there crying. So yeah, that was, it was a hard pill to swallow. Well, it's like you have two options. You either come back or you pack up your bag and go home. And so, yeah, it was definitely something that, oh, man, we wanted to get rid of that feeling so bad. So bad, and so I really wish you the best of luck because when you win it and you've lost it, oh, it's so much better. So good luck to you guys, and it sounds like an awesome team to to play for, and you guys definitely have the whole philosophy in the right direction. So thank you so much for that. Hey, thank you, Johnny. Um, what is the uh, scheme that we're running this year? Are we still running the ground game here with a, a little bit of pass, as we've seen in some of your highlights? Um, you know, for me, you know, again, um, stated earlier, I, I try to look at the overall part of the team. And I actually, up until um, 9 to I'm still working on the game plan, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, just trying to figure out what we can and can't do. Um, so, for me, we're going to try to put uh, put the ball in, um, you know, our, our um, uh, player's hand, the playmakers, whoever that may be. Uh, whether it's a whether it's a, a a running game, whether it's a passing game, we want to be able to set the tempo. That's who Inferno is. Inferno, we want to set, we want to dictate what we want to do. Whether it's run, whether it's pass, you know, uh, whether it's a, a trick play here and there, we want to dictate. When we step on that field, we have to dictate what we want to do. Um, so we want to try to do some things a little bit different and a little bit better this year. Um, and that starts with me. Um, I'm offensively, defensively, and special teams. Uh, we're going to be a very aggressive team. Um, we're, we're not just going to say, hey, we're going to kick the ball off to you every single time. We want to make it keep you guessing, whether it's an onside kick, whether it's a, a fake here, or whatever the case may be, may even go for it on, on fourth down. Uh, we, gonna, we have to be the aggressive um, this year. Um, and, I, and I believe we have the players, the coaches, and I know that our owner um, is behind us to get it done, and that's our mindset. That has to be our mindset. Um, so we're just not going to rely on, on the run or the pass. We're going to throw, the, as they say, the kitchen sink at you every single game and keep you moving. Now, Coach Johnny, you guys are 15-0 and 0 in the regular season. You can wash that away because St. Louis has literally done that. So what is it going to take to put the, the trophy and the hardware in Tampa? You know, um, that started um, in January, you know, um, when we came into camp. When we came in, we had, we had, we had about four OTAs um, before the first of the year, and our players work hard. Um, that's the starting point. That's the starting point for me. 
So, uh, again, we're going we're to take this one game at a time and see where, it's, and see, and see where, where, where our destiny, you know, waits us. Um, um, again, my hat's off to St. Louis, but uh, we've got to take care of one game at a time first, and that's Atlanta. Atlanta just happened to be, to be on our schedule first, um, and we have to go to Atlanta. So, with that being said, one game at a time, that's the mindset. Then we'll get ready for our bye week and then get ready for Miami. So now you got big test week one and week three because Miami's sort of your equal and rival in that division. Atlanta's sort of a, you know, kind of like a big test for you coming into this matchup. So those two, those two key games are really where we're going to keep an eye on the Inferno and see what level uh, you're at at this point, right? That is, that is so true. And, 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 and I, and I think uh, uh, Jen Moody for that as well, because, uh, once I took over as the head, head, head coaching job, I, I wanted to make sure that we put our team in the best case you know, possible. Um, I hear about the D3 teams and, and this and so forth. We play a lot of um, um, great teams, whether it's Orlando, um, Daytona. Um, they gave us you know, um, um, a good go for it every year. But for me, I want to just make sure that we put our team in this league. We've got to make sure we play at least one or two D1 teams. So, um, with that being said, yeah, it's going to be um, a very tough um, um, part of the season for us. But I think that with the mindset that our players have right now and our coaching staff, um, just take it one game at a time um, um, and, see, and see what happens. That's all we can do. Um, you know, we, we, I mean, we're very fortunate to, to have played Atlanta before, um, two years ago. Um, so, we sort of know each other, so to speak, um, and just see what happens. All right, so let's get, let's talk to Kim uh, here because Kim, uh, no different in any other sport. You said you cried your tears in the locker room. It's a heartfelt defeat. Uh, you go 15 and 0 every season. You you think you can you can just punch it in and get it done, but uh, Saint, the St. Louis team literally sort of awakens you in a sense where we're not at that level yet, or we just played our worst game. And it really, there's only two feelings there. They're either Obviously, the results are superior in whatever aspect they're playing in scheme, or the fact that you're not playing a t- tough enough competition for you to get to the net, to that level. My feeling is we didn't play our best game. That's my feeling. I don't feel that they mm-hmm. were that much better than us. I feel like we defeated ourselves, to be honest. My hat's off to St. Louis, like Coach Green said, but yeah, I feel like if we would have played better, if we would have played our best game, I mean, then it would have been a whole lot different game. Was it turnovers at this point? Was it just um, not focused enough, mental mistakes? I mean, what was what did the two defeats give, give it to you at this point? Mental mistakes, turnovers. And that's going to kill you in every pretty much every matchup, but every more sport. crucially in a championship, right? So, Kim, longtime veteran, 16 years, you are basically a pioneer. You're in with the, you know, the, uh, the Karen Mulligans, the uh, Lisa Hortons, the Allie Hamlins, the Louise Beans here. Uh, pretty much you're in, in that staple of, of being really a good quarterback. Um, so at this point, you know, legendary if you want to call it, especially down south in Florida, um, does that give you a sense of, like, gratification that you've done so well for so long, but now, you know, you have this Inferno squad that obviously goes to the playoffs almost every year. 
Honestly, I don't even think about the years I've played. I, people ask me how long i played, and I actually have to count it up every time because I don't really think about the years I've played. I just love playing the game. Well, I'm just giving you some love because if you played the game for 16 years <laughs> of durability, and then now you, you've shown success, even though, you know, the, the championship results have been obviously not to your liking and not to, not to what you wanted, but you've proven, you know, to go 15-0 and 0 in two years uh, as a quarterback, that says a lot about leadership, and it also says about durability and mindset. Um, you know, everybody's going to come, sh- come up short because when you go equal level to equal competition, sometimes that's what happens. It's just the way it is. But a credit to you, that's what I'm trying to say, is a credit to you to get your team ready to, you know, run the table as you've done the last two years. But now, you know, to you, between you and the coach and the owner here, uh, the attitude is obviously, you know, the end result has not been good. So that's what the goal is now, is to turn that around. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, and Kim so I'm, has I'm, been a tremendous leader for this organization. And um, she's she's very humble. Um, she, she does not uh, – uh, dwell on her her accolades, but um, you know we can take a minute to brag on her. Um, it's not oh, just yeah. the years and the the veteran leadership. Um, you know she is so dedicated to this team and her teammates, coaches, organization. Um, she has developed a, a creed for us from from day one that has really united this team and created this family like atmosphere. And you know, and and she's really at the the heart and center of it. Um, her actions are sometimes quieter and, and maybe go unnoticed, but it's it's the subtle things that she does that just embodies um, so many characteristics of a leader, you know, not just on the field, but also off the field. Uh, she's a tremendous teammate and just incredibly um, selfless when it comes to this uh, the sport. And, Jen, yes, you, you've been a part of – Add on to that as well. You know, uh, you, know you know, Kim Shaw is um, – is, is someone very special. Um, we was able to get through all those games the last two years. We basically was just one QB at the helm, um, and she took some hits. And, and for the sake of the team, um, she popped up and stood in there and 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 delivered. You know, pass after pass. We have a, a great Audible system that she can get us into. Um, if Coach Green Mason Ryan called a bad play, she has the right to get us out of that play and get us into a uh, a um, good play. Um, so with that being said, you know, so she has the durability. She has this team that's that's behind her, um, and um, so it, it's it's it'd be it'd be it'd be kind of kind of strange this, the the picture in the next maybe five years or so what would Inferno look like without Kim Shaw as the QB, you know? No, exactly. So, uh, that's that's exactly yeah. why I bring it up because you know, Jen, you were in Pittsburgh. You had Lisa Horton. For a long time, mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of leadership there that comes into play. Uh, every quarterback is different in terms of how they portray that leadership. You know, others are more vocal, others are more reserved. But the the end result is what I'm saying. I'm I'm trying to give you guys the props because to go 15 and 0, Correct. even on a whatever schedule, Correct. you play your schedule because the league yes. gives you that schedule. So you Correct. don't mandate that. You know what I mean? That's not something you mandate or or prefer. It's just the way it is, and you decide at this point you've done that. Um, same thing with you, Coach. I mean, you, you, obviously it's great to be undefeated in the regular season, but you, like you said, we got a lot of work to do to get to that prize. So, 
Yeah, we do. And I, again, you know, just uh, uh, giving St. Louis the credit, but we had seven turnovers in that game. Seven turnovers. Ooh. That's 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 more turnover we've had in two years combined. Right. Two years combined. Right. Um, and right. So that's seven turnovers. That that so so for me, you know, that's 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 on me as a as a coach. Uh, what did we do? What 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 should we could have done differently? Uh, seven turnovers. You have seven turnovers in one game. You're not you not you know expected to win that game. Yeah. So my my high school coach, Coach Green, my high school coach says when you uh, when you add it up, a negative doesn't include any positives. So I guess that's Not what it rolls down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> hey, exactly I have right. a good question. Yeah, I have go a good ahead. Question on that. Um, that obviously uh, your QB one is amazing, but I gotta ask. Uh, what is what is your workout regimen in the off season, Kim? Uh, yeah, I I, I was um, I do a actually this season I started lifting weights for the first time. I've never lifted weights, but I started lifting weights for the first time, and that actually helped me a lot with my throwing, and I do a lot of jogging. And I try to eat right. I don't always succeed at that, but I try to eat right. So I just do a lot of exercises on our season. I don't just sit and around. The, oh, and my that, dad's a farmer, so I go work on the farm a lot. Okay, there you go. That's a big deal. Um, and do, are you required to do all the same things that everyone on the team is required to do? I mean, I always had to. It doesn't matter the ages or anything like that, but when I first started playing women's football, we never won a game, and the people, the owners on the team, they were over 35, and they said the people that are over 35 they don't have to run as many sprints. <laughs> so wow, I run. <laughs> I know. Wow. So I've always, I've been held, and I hold myself even more higher because if you're older, you have to do things differently. You can't just go out and. <laughs> You know, you can't just get away with eating whatever you want anymore, and you have to take care of your body and just all those kind of things. And so I always felt like, heck yeah, I gotta show that that I'm I'm even more into this than they are because your age you have to mess with your age. So they hold you accountable the same way, right? Yes, they do. I have to run. Most they make you run extra. Kim says I have to run. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Coach Johnny, that, 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 that was not a positive that, that answer, Coach. <laughs> the, the, the other thing that Kim don't do is we we have her on a uh, pitch count, um, um, in practice. Uh, you know, so other than yeah. that, just to save her arm, keep her, uh, yeah, yeah, keep yeah, her fresh. Yeah. Um, sure, sure. We have on a pitch count. Uh, some days she pitch, you know, you know, she, uh, take off that kind of stuff. But other than that, though, she's she's required to run. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, don't think, I don't think the owner she... wanted to hear that either. <laughs> <laughs> she got to run like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Nobody gets an exemption. Nobody gets an exemption. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's good. Fun. No, I about died when, on my first year eight years ago, and they were trying to say, if you're over 35, you don't have to run as much. And the head coach was like, "Are you? Mm-hmm. you no way. You're serious? You're trying to implement that? They were owners. So anyway, we never won a game. If that helps tell you anything, so that Don't tells you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. You. So, uh, Jen, uh, Johnny, and uh, Kim, uh, we wanted to get you guys on because you guys have been so successful in the last two years, the regular season, an explosive team, 
And that's what we try to do here, spotlight some of the most uh, successful teams in the WFA in terms of the sport as well. And so, Coach, as hard as it is, the schedule is out. You got a couple of key matchups real early. You're going to get suckered right in the, you know, to wake up, as they say. Uh, so we're, we are looking forward to Atlanta, Miami uh, as the two key matchups for you guys. So, Kim, uh, the Fury, your local rival, Atlanta, your sort of national stage rival. Um, so are, are you looking forward to those two matchups early? Yes, I am. More so Atlanta than Miami. Well, I hope they don't hear you down in Miami because you got to show up to face them. So. <laughs> I know, but oh, yeah, no, it, and it's going to be tough. All the time. Yeah, no, no, I know you know them. I know you know them, and they they know you as well. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think for for us, what is nice is having some of that strength in in the beginning of the season, especially for some of our new athletes to. There's such a difference between practice versus real-time game. And um, sure. so for me, I think it's a positive. And um, I was really excited to see us having two strong matchups because you can learn from those mistakes as opposed to getting a little bit more confident and then getting, you know, slammed in the middle or the end of the season. So I think it's a, honestly, it's a positive for us. So wise move on your end, uh, Jen, to put them at, put the toughest two teams together in the week. That's very nice of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. And right at the beginning, <laughs> it's a big test. Oh, no, no pressure on the coach or the quarterback. No, you just have to win. <laughs> That's my coach. Is you just got to win. Confidence. No pressure. Uh, all right, guys. So um, it's been fun having you guys on. We look forward to maybe another chat in the midseason, Coach, and see where we stand, and then obviously in the playoffs. Um, so you've been very successful. Credit to that. Like I said, uh, the the key now is to get over the hump, as they say, in the uh, in the crucial matchup in the national stage. So Atlanta is the goal, as it is for everybody, starting off week one. So uh, we look forward to the Inferno in the playoffs in the WFA uh, spotlight. Uh, yes, we do, and I, and I appreciate you, um, you know, taking this time out to invite us on. Um, you know, I, I, you know, for us, our goal is to uh, make that uh, trip to Atlanta twice. Um, that's our goal. So let's do one at a time first right now, um, see how that plays out. Then we'll take on Miami, and then the schedule just keep moving on uh, for us. But our goal is to go yeah. to Atlanta twice, not not as spectators, um, but to be playing. Oh yeah, that's that's, and I no doubt I know you have a, a core that is so passionate like you are to try to get there. And uh, congratulations, I guess, like I said, in the last two seasons, 15-0, and 0, very good accomplishment. Uh, now the hard work starts, as you're pointing out. we got to get to that next level. So uh, we look forward to the, to the Inferno showing up in, in Division Two championship form in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Jen, thank See you. you. I'll be in contact with you, and we'll touch base again in midseason or even in the playoffs. So look forward to the – to talk in uh, Inferno football once again uh, down the uh, road here in the WFA 2018 season. Great. We look forward to it, too. And, again, thanks for the opportunity tonight. Thanks. Hey, Have a great night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Luis. Uh, I could not do, I'll do myself any better than today. Dallas Elite, WFA champion, Division One. Tampa Inferno 
two years in a row runners up of Division Two. So they got a lot of work to do. Uh, obviously disappointed for the results that they've had. Uh, but overall, I think that they know what they have to get done. Oh, yeah, you had some great people on today. I mean, hey, I'm really impressed that she's able to keep her team together just on hot dogs and hamburgers. So, you know, that's pretty good. <laughs> I was going to mention she's ice not... cream, but that's, that's good. Yeah. I, she knows. She, she's watching what she no. eats. That's what she said. So that's probably the case. That's right. And she's on a pitch count. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's great. yeah, yeah that was so good. Um, all right, let's let's talk women's gridiron here before we get out of here. We got We got 10 minutes. Uh, let's go into uh, the XFFL Texas. You guys can get the results on our Facebook page. Just go there. We'll go, uh, go ahead and update that as the uh, results come in this week. Um, L- LNFA Feminina, big matchup, crucial matchup for Teresa. We talked about it last week. Would, li- would this be a letdown? And guess what? It was almost accomplished by Batadona. Uh, I don't know if they heard me, the girls, the drag girls heard me, but they came in. They literally were 0-0 for three quarters. And then uh, Teresa finds a way to put up 13 points. Uh, the Badalona girls get a safety for two points. And at one point here, I really thought I was watching the game, uh, courtesy of La, uh, La Liga uh, for sports. And thanks for them for the coverage. You can get the actual live feed stream from the game on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties on Facebook. So, um, so Luis, I mean, this was tough battle. Uh, this was basically defensive battle almost for three and a half quarters. And then uh, Teresa sort of wakes up and then uh, edges uh, Badalona. But Badalona girls, I got to give them credit. They fought till the end almost. Uh, they just get edged. Oh, I hate getting edged. Uh, it's almost worse than losing. It's big. <laughs> or Yeah, it's it's not good in any form. Now and so you know, Badalona, we got to give uh, I got to give them the props. They they fought hard defensively for three and a half quarters. They hold Teresa uh, to that point, but then uh, they end up losing. So for Teresa, the picture in LNFA Feminina in Spain is they own second place right now. Currently, next week uh, we have basically uh, the the Pioneers and the Buffaloes will play their matchups. Crucial matchups for them. Uh, any uh, any of those two teams loses. They fall basically to fourth or third spot. So, uh, Teresa looking forward to a rematch with Barbera rookies uh, from last year. So, they're, they, they are on a scare basically this week. They were on a scare given the girls played so well from Badalona, but uh, they win it anyways. Yeah, you know what? It's a, lot of, it's a lot of work that I'm sure they put into it, and they pulled it off. So, kudos to them. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but uh, i got to give Badalona their credit. The the girls, in, uh, if you guys are listening in, in Spain, you guys did an awesome job. I watched the game. Very A lot of, a lot of gritty football defensively. They, they sustained both offenses really well on both sides of the defenses. So uh, there you go. So uh, Teresa moves to second place in the LNFA Femenina. Barbera, a rookie, still top dog undefeated. And then next week we get the Buffaloes and Pioneers who will uh, – figure out they got their must wins for them basically must win one of them is facing the champs the other one is not facing the champs so um one one team's going to be disappointed and then their playoff positioning is going to be a lot tougher uh gridiron victoria unfortunately uh the schedule was three game slate schedules but unfortunately the uh monash warriors and the uh, i believe the batter uh ballarat kesseroles uh had injuries and roster issues 
so they could not uh, full, uh, put a full roster on for game day. So the, those two games were forfeited. 7-0 was given to the Lady Raiders and to the Western Crusaders. Um, the only actual game that was played was the Champs, the Croydon Rangers, 36-6, to beating the Melton Wolves. Um, so they sustained their uh, standings there. You guys can go to the Gridiron Victoria on website, uh, website on Gridiron Victoria, or gridironvictoria.au uh, and get the, re- the results there. We will update, uh, I believe it's updated already. Yeah, it's updated already on our Facebook page, the results from the Rangers and on Twitter as well. Um, the big news out of the UK, the Sapphire series is completed. Congratulations to Phoebe Sketzer out there and the Birmingham Lions, the five-time champion Birmingham Lions, Luis. So they have owned this uh, series for the last five years. And today, I mean, this past weekend, they punched it in. They're the five-time champs of the Sapphire series. So it's great accomplishments there in Birmingham. And that's five years straight, right? That is five in a row. Five in a row. National tournament. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Good stuff right there. So uh, congratulations to Phoebe out there. Uh, it was snowing. Bad too? Yeah. It was snow. Yes. In some areas it was snowing. They still played the games. Yeah. It was really awesome. And I, I, I have some <laughs> photos from the games, but they toughed it out. And that's true grit football right there in the snow. So congratulations yeah. to the Baffa women out there for completing the series. So, uh, And then obviously Gabby, uh, Gabby Nopsa as well from Carnegie Leeds Chargers. Uh, done a tremendous job there as well the last two seasons with them. So a lot of national, uh, great, uh, great Britain national players on a lot of the teams in the Sapphire series. That's why it makes it so interesting. Uh, they kind of break mm-hmm. apart in certain teams and uh, they've obviously hot, already experienced international competition. So that they bring that experience to each individual team. And all this, all these teams are getting better every year since the series has started. So uh, we look forward to the, the next year to get even better and better. Um, so, uh, we got WFA, IWFL, uh, kickoff coming up here, I believe, uh, the first week of, uh, the last week of March for the IWFL and then the first uh, April, April 14th, I believe, oh no, April 7th is yeah. the WFA. So that's exciting. And then we have legends football league kicks off on April 14th as well. WFL in Mexico also on April 14th, La Liga de Football Pacifico also kicks off on April 14th. And then uh, right after that, we got Lexfa, uh, Lexfa and FX Mexico will kick off around the uh, uh, Masters kicks off on April 22nd. The regular arena will kick off on April 14th. And then we have in May, the w- Western Women's Canadian Football League, the Maritime kicks off in May, as well as the, uh, the Maple League in Finland, as well as the Swedish League. The German League kicks off in May uh, in um, I believe it's in Czechoslovakia in June. We got football. Um, did I say it's a girls' football summer? Because I think we keep saying that every podcast. So uh, stay tuned because we're going to cover it all. Wall to wall, we're ready. Our network is ready. And we are going to be having a girls' summer on Twitter, on everywhere on Instagram. And as well, you can add us on Snapchat uh, for athlete takeovers from international athletes as well. So I'm networking with a couple of them already. So many exciting times on Snapchat. And I want to uh, thank uh, Katie Veracruz and as well as Kristen Moore uh, for doing their takeovers this past week on Snapchat. So very successful. And we are approaching 200 
followers on Snapchat, and we've been on Snapchat for four weeks. Awesome job so far by all these athletes to get us some followers. So I, I cannot be no, I can just be so proud right now. I'm very proud of that. Um, the best podcast covering women's American football. You're listening to it right now on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcast. So, uh, Luis, uh, awesome show today. We had uh, Lynn Ellington and Michael Ellington of the WFA Dallas Elite. We had uh, Jen Moody, Johnny Green, and obviously Kim Shaw, veteran quarterback Kim Shaw, uh, from the Tampa Bay Inferno. So, uh, you know what? That couldn't have any better. Than, and then uh, for the absent Holly Custis, Luis being here, and we're going to get Troy Wilson back next week. Uh, pretty good podcast, don't you say? Oh, yeah, that was really fun. I wanted to do one more shout-out to um, the, other, the other league, the WPFL. Did I say that right? The Houston Heat. You interviewed Jennifer. Uh, no, you didn't do that. It was Russ. Um, but the so other the league, USFL. they're having a, uh, having the, a big the U- jamboree this weekend. Yeah, the USW, uh, USWFL, right? Yes, that's the one. And they're having uh, eight teams, four games this weekend. And I can't remember where I uh, where they're playing them at, but they're playing them all. They all get played the same day, and so, so that's we'll, kind of we'll, kickoff. Uh, I'm gonna probably get a hold of uh, Club Burmy because he's probably got all of the details as well. So we'll mm-hmm. figure it out and then show that out for him. Um, so Luis, awesome, awesome podcast. We look forward to next week as we talk more NFL free agency as well as things come into the draft mode, and then we're gonna be talking to obviously Gridiron Victoria. LNFA Feminino week seven, and then we dive into the Diamond Series in Baffle Women as it comes around, and all the other leagues that are coming uh, up in April. April is going to be huge for us, huge for women's football internationally as well as in the States. So uh, for Oscar Lopez, Louise Bean, and the absent Holly Custis and Troy Wilson, we'll catch you here next week on the Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks.